What's better than Anchor's podcast creation tools? Nothing. Mankind has always searched for evidence of God's perfection, and we found it. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use straight from your phone or computer. The creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the lesser of the podcast platforms like Stitcher. You can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I've made $5, and I've been doing this for three months. So, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And so with that, uh, as a warning, sometimes we swear a little bit. Uh, but not that often. Just enough where I probably might not catch it as I'm editing. So, uh, this is labeled explicit, but it's it's not that bad. Your little kid in the backseat probably won't catch the bad words we say. Uh, we don't go out of our way to show off with bad language. But that's your warning. Book boys! <laughs> God Damn it. <laughs> you should answer every phone call you ever get with that. <laughs> like at work and stuff? Yeah, exactly. Like if the phone rings, you just pick it up and scream book boys at him. Or it's like a random call on your phone, like a robocall, and you just scream book boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I got to market. We got to get our name out there. <laughs> if Congress isn't going to do anything about these spam callers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The FCC is a sham. I have to take this into my own hands. Yeah. So Ben, how you been doing? <laughs> oh, fantastic! Just uh, been totally engrossed in the His Dark Materials trilogy <laughs> as we finished the first third of it. So <laughs> I, love, I love how you're so focused, Ben. You're keeping your eye on the uh, on the goal here. Yeah, we. Uh, I, I what our purpose is. <laughs> let's not uh, let's not play any games with each other. Let's not do this dance. Let's just be honest. We're here for the book and nothing else. Not a friendship. Yeah. Not to, to stay in touch. No, no. I'm not just killing time here. I'm not trying to feebly amuse myself. I, I am deep into this book. In too deep, almost. You're trying to figure out a way to make a living or your life all about this book, if it's possible. As some people have dedicated themselves to the Bible, you're trying to do that with this series. I think so. Yeah, it's uh, and that that's that surprised me. Um, <laughs> no, that's not that's not the mission I set out with, but uh, that's it's just I, like that. I love that you finished the first book, you close it, like I'm surprised at my passion, <laughs> <laughs> and then just stare at a wall. <laughs> How's your week, Ben? I know you don't want to talk about it. There's nothing you want to say? Well, I don't want to talk about it. It was, it was boring. I'm, I'm right, sorry. Fine. I, I live a, a, I don't know. If you what want do you want to podcast to be successful, can you go get a hobby or something? Hey, how about if we want the podcast to be successful, stop asking me questions. You know, I don't have a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you, a hobby, what, what's reading? Isn't that the hobby? This is my hobby. Well, you know, I mean, do you got any stories to tell about when you finished this book? <laughs> like, I, just, I mean, even though that was complete BS, I, I kind of just did that. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Do you got any loud neighbors? Uh, no, I live in a very civilized building, I guess. Yeah, oh, for crying out loud. You got like a wacky, a wacky old lady who lives down the hall that spies on you? You got nothing? No, although when I, when I first moved into this building, it's probably about five years ago now, mm-hmm. um, the first day I moved in, I was, uh, I think I was leaving to go like return the U-Haul and I (laughs) was kind of in a hurry. So I like flung open the door to go outside and just nailed this old woman. That was like, (laughs) she was like crouched over in front of the door, like looking at, there's like a little flower bed next to the, (laughs) looking at a weed in there. She's doing cute old lady things. And you just, (laughs) I just flung the door open and like the knob, the doorknob kind of just nailed her. Oh my God. Uh, but she was like bent over, so I couldn't see her through the. There was like a window on the like the top half of the door, but oh. she was like bent below that. So you know, I just. So did you yell at her for being so stupid? 
Yeah. Like, how long have you lived here? You know that the window's at the top of the door. I can't see you when you bend. They start yelling at her. Yeah. Uh, she, she was nice about it. I, I apologize because, uh, you know, it was an accident, but. Did you give her some money? Why would I give her money? I, I, I wasn't doing anything wrong. I opened the door. The door is meant to be opened. Fine. So nothing else. <laughs> Do you want to hear about my week? Got nothing. I haven't well, had anything you, exciting. Well, how's your love life? <laughs> I love that we do this fake Hey, we're just talking right now for the first time But then you allude to what we just talked about uh, Previously before we start Oh, oh you, don't, you don't want to talk about that? We can talk about that uh, I'm always terrified that That's, it, that's, it, how, that's what we are doing I thought we were asking each other questions that we don't want to answer <laughs> Well, I'll answer them for the, for the good of the show okay. uh, It's fine She's fine uh, we've gotten together like three times now and it's fine. And it, it definitely is a dating scenario. It's not the question mark of, I don't know what's going on. It's we've actually expressed to each other that we're interested in each other. So there you go, Ben. That's nice. No longer am I the, the lonely, lonely book reader. I'm happy for you. And I can't wait to see how this plays out. <laughs> how it plays out. Wait, does this woman know about book boys? <laughs> she does only because I mentioned that uh, you and I are recording tonight. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. So Book Boys gets all the hits. Uh, any of the traffic we're getting is literally just all falling on the Book Boys episodes. Apparently, if you do a review podcast about a popular book, uh, a lot of young adults and teens are stumbling on and at least listening once. And apparently we're failing them because I don't think they're coming back a second time. Hear that, or I'm just telling people about it. <laughs> just so you can keep like, yeah, I think it's a lot of people that are related to me. Oh, is why you have an or, extensive because we're up to like, uh, I think just on the book boys alone, about a hundred listens. So, for, across all four episodes, yeah, across all four episodes, okay, so 25 per, yeah. I mean, I does it count as that unique listeners or is that just listen so because I myself. Uh, I'm a narcissist, so I listened to myself at Multiple least five times? times. Oh, that would explain the spikes that happened. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, wow, five listens in one afternoon. That's fantastic. But it's just you over and over. Yeah, it's just me over and over. Yeah. Do you, like, listen to yourself say a certain sentence like, I can't believe that bears would have a college? And then you press pause and then you keep repeating it out loud, trying to see if you could perfect it? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Speaking that, they, of which. You don't do that? I, am I alone in this that the bears have a college uh oh, I, that that i uh listen to myself over you don't listen to yourself over and over uh i have to when i edit this and i really i'm not i'm not just saying it to be cute i really can't stand the sound of my own voice and i hate my laugh so as i'm editing i'm just like <laughs> groaning and i actually edit out stuff where i'm just like god that was stupid like i'm really hard on myself i don't edit anything you say i'm always just editing the stuff i say so we no need- i i hate listening to myself i won't do it we need to get somebody else to edit this. We need to take that burden off of you. Uh, do you know anyone? I don't know anyone oh, no. that even knows how to use a computer, much less edit. Yeah, I, me neither, but... I would hate to have you edit, because clearly with your fixation on yourself, you're going to, like, enhance the sound of your own voice every time you speak and mute mine. Maybe. <laughs> Does your mom know how to edit? I know she's a big fan of the show. Ben's mom, friend of the show, friend of the podcast. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know if I appreciate the tone or subject. Keep <laughs> <laughs> my mom out of it. Yeah. Fine, let's move on to the book. I also saw that you texted me a picture because apparently you and your coworkers are complaining about how I can't keep up. And so he found a, a copy, like a comic. Can you explain this story to me, Ben? How much trash well, are you talking? I. I'm not talking any trash beyond what makes it onto the podcast where you're clearly <laughs> never <laughs> caught up with what we agreed to read before the episode. So God damn it. a friend of mine just sent me uh, with the caption being maybe your co-host. Also, I like that he refers to you as my co-host. I know not the owner of the pod. I am the yeah. co-host. You suck. Maybe your co-host could keep up if he had this version instead and then sent me a, a picture of the uh, Golden Compass graphic novel. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess he has now. It looks like he took this uh, picture in his house. Um, yeah, so apparently he, he purchased this item. Is that his house? Uh, you recognize the backdrop? Where is it? Yeah, that's definitely his floor and his wall. 
<laughs> I uh, love that he owns it, but he's trying to talk down to me about it. <laughs> well, he and, and he knows this if he, if he's listening to this. Uh, he never reads real books. He only reads picture books like that. So <laughs> picture books, not graphic novels. You're yeah. Well, I, I picture books. Yeah, I like to give him a hard time about that. So uh, <laughs> yeah, graphic novels is if we want to be. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Who's uh, anyway, have you have you thought about that? Maybe for the rest of the trilogy, just get the picture book version. I'm going to slap you the next time I see you. Who's worse? The guy that has to listen to audiobooks because he's busy and has to still keep up with the chapters, uh, which still uses, it engages my imagination uh, okay. and that sort of thing. Or a man who reads the graphic novel where not only the story is handed to you in short form, but also it gives you the visual imagery for you. Who's the lazier one? I don't know. And uh, he also, he has a daughter who maybe this is for his daughter. I don't know. I didn't ask mm. him about why he has the Golden Compass graphic novel, but. Can you take a note right now uh, in your little notebook that you brought last time? Uh, just that you follow up with him on that and get the full story. Yeah, we'll do. Okay, thanks. I appreciate that. Oh, and did you notice that uh, I made a logo for Book Boys now? Well, yeah, I noticed that. And that's, that's great, but I kind of missed the the artwork for each episode. So like my demon blobfish, <laughs> yeah, the bear with the man hands. I, uh, I kind of miss those. I mean, yeah, I, I did see the, the logo, the artwork though. So, well, thank you. Uh, my, I did the logo, but then my daughter wanted to do the lettering. So it was cute. So she did the lettering of book boys. Gotcha. And then, uh, I started making like a logo just for the, uh, leaves of Glen that I do on the side, my vanity project. And uh, she did the lettering on that. So it was cute. It was a family effort. I but... like how you're you're plugging this podcast on this podcast. I mean, <laughs> way to go. <laughs> Although I guess we did establish the Book Boys does get more listeners than uh, Leaves well, of Glen. So. We're all scratching each other's backs here. We're all wetting our beaks. Uh, you know, I'm going to ride on you a little bit. You just uh, you also made the analogy of like the birds that clean the alligator's teeth. Uh, that's what I am to the Book Boys now. I'm the little bird. Just trying to feed off your success. I thought we had to take that reference out. Chapter 18, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Scoresby, the Texan. Well, let's let's back up here. Just <laughs> over overview of what we did. So we read the entire third part of book one. Yes. Of the trilogy. So so we finished off the first book. We did finish um, out the first book. And as I learned from the last episode where we talked about being loosey-goosey and not taking notes, you showed up with notes. And so then I was the guy who was like, Ugh, I don't remember all the details. And so now I have extensive notes. Prepare to be bored, Ben, with all the details I go into. Loquacious well, is going to be my nickname for this show. Uh, nobody likes that. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. So, yes, we finished up the book. What did and you think? Guess, of the, uh... What briefly? What happened? They so they. Uh, I'm sorry. It's been like a week since I read this. So I, I actually don't remember. Oh, the tables have turned. I'm <laughs> yeah. the guy with the notes, and you don't really remember all the details. Well, I have the notes, but I, I'm reading them. I should have maybe did this um, while I was waiting for you to finish making your goddamn coffee. And <laughs> it was an extra fifteen minutes. <laughs> well, I mean, I I asked you if. 7.15 was going to be okay. And you said, sure. And then... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then... Whatever. So, what did you think before we dive in overall uh, of how it played out? I think I'm kind of right that it just became a lot of uh, detail. A lot of um, tidying up the house before they get ready for the next book. Would you agree? Yeah, it seems to be the case. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's the the balloon has escaped from the. I can't remember what's the name of the. Oh, I don't know. Separating Kisner so they've escaped. They're in the balloon. Yep. It's Lee Scoresby. Lyra, Roger is he in there? Uh, yes. He is that it? Should and then, be. Yeah, and then the witch is with them too. Yeah, Serafina. Yeah, so Lee's talking to the witch. And I love that the first thing he says is, uh, how, so how am I going to get paid? <laughs> which is my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, he's a mercenary. He, yep. knows what he's, which is admirable. I mean, his motives are clear. We don't have sure. ambiguity there. He's, he's in to get paid. I bet you, though, he's going to, that stance is going to soften later, isn't it? 
Eh, probably. Well, I mean, the book's ended, so... I mean, the first one, anyways. Is he... Yeah, but he's not dead. So anyway, just... like well, how the book ends, I don't think he came along with. But anyways... Uh, but uh, could, should we just, like, quickly go over the whole plot of the, the remainder of the book and then just go back and get into whatever details we want to? Oh, sure. Dust is... I, I don't think there's a ton of plot to go over, right? So they go north. Mm-hmm. The balloon crashes... Lyra ends up as a captive of the bears. Yep, the bad bears. Yeah, that's in Svalbard with uh, Lofer, Yuf- the illegitimate Yufor. bear king. And yeah, the king. So, uh, but the good bear, uh, Yorick Bjornsson, comes to save her, fights the king, and then they continue on to Lord Asriel's place yeah they wind up trying to track him down and they find out that he's been taken prisoner or yeah he was prisoner of the bears already but they go and it turns out him being prisoner is he's in this lavish house basically and he's doing these running his scientific experiments yeah and lab and everything so it kind of concludes with them on top of a mountain so lord asriel and lyra and Lord Israel has by this time taken Roger. Yep. And Mrs. Coulter shows up too. So the basic thing that's going on, we talked earlier about they're trying to, Lord Israel is trying to open a bridge to the parallel dimension and it involves dust somehow. Yep. And the demons. And so it turns out that by separating a child from its demon, it releases a great bunch of energy. Yeah. In a short burst. And that's the key to opening this bridge Mm -hmm. to the other dimension. And that's kind of how the book ends is, uh, Lord Azrael separates Roger from his demon and opens his bridge. And he and Mrs. Coulter are they talking a, about it. They have a love-hate relationship. There's even a little bit of smooching going on yeah. between them. But he says, please come with me. Uh, it's a brave new world out there, and we can leave behind all this BS here in this world. She says no, and she decides that she is going to stay. So then he goes on without her, and then uh, Lyra is trying to decide what to do. Um, and then, but then she decides that, or her demon is Pan. Pan says, like, "Well, if they think that dust is bad, dust must be good. So we got to go save the dust." And that's how the book ends. They cross so, over. Yeah, so that's broadly that's how it went, right? Yeah, and I like that. Uh, I like that the dust. I don't. So the one of the, one of my questions is, with the dust, they talk about how dust is basically original sin because it only collects around adults. Uh, after their their demons have like kind of solidified and stopped changing shape, so that they're officially like through experience, be no longer children. Yeah. So that it's supposed to be original sin. That part, and, and then they like kind of quote the Bible. Not really. They just make reference to it. And so, what are your thoughts on that? Because I don't really understand the connection. Just because it's around you and you're an adult, how does that specifically mean that it's sin to them? I don't understand their logic on that. Well, because their reading of the Bible in this world is that. There's a reference to dust. What was from dust to dust or whatever? Was that the Bible verse up there? Yeah, I think it was supposed to be like in Genesis, but I don't know exactly what it is. So anyway, that that's where they're getting this concept of dust because it relates to yeah, it's in Genesis. The Eden with the original sin of Eve eating the forbidden fruit. Right. And yeah, and the dust was involved there. So and this is where I always struggle with books. I feel like I, I miss themes. Like I like I get obviously what happened in the book and I always I always understand like what happened in the book but I always feel like I don't I'm not sure if I'm reading the book as like a literature professor would and like what what themes am I missing here and it's pretty obvious in this book that it's there's religious themes and there's this is really an original sin but yeah I'm a little unclear as uh, yeah I can't just, I can't really understand what side is being taken I know that there's criticism about religious institutions in general in this book. Yeah. But religion itself isn't being discredited. If anything, it's just kind of being, it's more, it's like stronger because it's a fantasy novel. So all these fantastical religious sort of magical things are happening. And is that why religious people and not all of them, but some religious folks have criticized this book. And is that why just because it's not because it's necessarily saying religion or God is bad, just, the blasphemy of suggesting there's this other universe that 
It has Christians in it, but there's also demons and all these other things. Is that where the criticism is coming from? Do you know? I don't know. I haven't actually looked up like what any kind of criticism would be from yeah. about these, like about this book from people or whatever. Uh, I would imagine it's kind of like, again, Harry Potter, my only other young adult novels that I've read. Uh, there was a big backlash against Harry Potter because just in general, it was like witchcraft or just kind of yeah. paganish sort of things. Um <laughs> And so just like beliefs in that there's magic within other elements that are independent of God and that kind of thing. Um, so that's kind of what that, so I imagine that's what this is too. So even though it sort of seems not specifically pro-Christian, but just definitely not anti-religion to me from what I can tell so far, it does have like a lot of magical things like the demons and that sort of stuff. Uh, and like, you know, spells and witchcraft. So like, it's sort of like when you were originally, you were saying, uh, when I brought up about how it looks like one of the theologians uh, was being magically influenced by Mrs. Coulter to yeah. sort of keep Lyra, you know, hidden away or whatever, just like stunted. Yeah. Um, and you were like, what? No, it is. But uh, it looks like that is the case because Lyra had used magic on um, the illegitimate King Bear, Lofer. Uh, well, she, so it's she, like there's magic spells being used. So I guess that's kind of like a backlash that they would have in general, just like. Well, there was an exchange earlier where Lyra was talking to the good bear, uh, Yorick. Yeah. And Yorick was saying that bears can't be tricked. And Yeah. But she ended up tricking the king before Ragnason. Which was weird to me, too, because he's trying to be human. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's the note that I wrote, is like it kind of shows that he's trying to be too human-like and he's able to be tricked. And, but I'm wondering also if... Does... Eh, never mind. What? No, I, no, no, it's not. Are you embarrassed? It's okay. We're no, no, I just... This is a safe just, place, ben. No, I just remembered something while I was talking that would refute what I was saying, so... <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> well, so there's two things that were kind of standing out. It's like, eh, it doesn't seem fleshed out or I'm just not understanding it. One being that the dust is original sin. Uh, they do reference that it's Genesis, but I don't remember exactly what. Like, besides the dust to dust comment and that it's like original sin is Eve eaten from the apple. I don't get the connection with just because you're an adult and this dust is clouding around you. Why does it represent original sin? But I guess they're probably the whole point is that they're wrong because the end of this book is Lyra and Pan are going to go try to save the dust, that the dust isn't something that should be killed, which is uh, yeah, that's Asriel's just, whole point is I'm going to go kill the dust. Yeah. And is that just saying you can't have good without bad? Is that why the dust should be saved? I or don't, I don't know is, because is the dust bad? What has the dust done? That's shown it to be evil. I can't, that part I may have missed. I don't know. Well, I think just because it's around. Sin, it, well, I don't know. I think it's, just because it's sin and that's what's taken a humankind away from paradise of the garden of Eden was how I was. Yeah. Reading. I don't know. I was just kind of like, what was the evidence? Like, did you see the dust masturbate? Like what is it doing? <laughs> that's like, Oh, yeah. the dust is bad. It's sin. So I, I want to jump on something though. You, I think earlier had expressed some frustration at the demons and how, they seem to have all these little rules about them and, and how they exist. And you seem to be just getting annoyed with the whole concept. Well, they just kept fleshing it out more and more, more than other things. The demons were getting really fleshed out with details. So I, I want to know what your take was when uh, Lyra was talking to the witch, Serafina Pekala, and asked, why do people have demons? And the witch's answer was, everyone asks, asks that and no one has the answer. <laughs> how would you feel about that exchange? Kind of like the author just sort of said, uh, I don't know, let's move on, is what yeah, I think, do you, do you think the, the author himself was getting sick of explaining all this and like Maybe. just left it at that? Okay. Because there isn't a whole lot of like, there is a little bit of discussion around witches is another aspect. Like besides demons, what else is getting fleshed out? Well, they fleshed out witches and that witches are really old and they live to be about a thousand years and that they do take on uh, she specifically said lovers, like men or women as lovers, um, and that sort of thing. And then they have babies, and if it's a girl, they become a witch. So that's kind of fleshed up, but not to the extent that demons are. Like, we know everything about demons, but, like, then there was just kind of that brief overview of witches. Uh, even, the, even the Egyptians aren't fleshed out as much. I don't know. So, yeah, I kind of wonder if it's just sort of like, as the author was writing this and getting all these details about how it basically represents like your soul separated from you, you know, so it's just always around you, uh, that he's just sort of like really fleshing this out and then just kind of realized I can't explain how 
in this dimension these would even be here to begin with. Ah, let's just say no one knows. <laughs> That's what I was gathering from that. So, staying on the topic of the demons, mm-hmm. um, right at the very end, when uh, Lord Azrael and Mrs. Coulter are doing their love-hate thing that we are uh, referencing earlier. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's uh, Their demons were kind of getting it on a little bit, weren't they? There was a lot of slam and tickle going on. We, we were talking about that before, uh, like the last time we talked about, you know, do demons, you know, what do they do? They like to fuss and are, fight. Are they, are they hooking up? But uh, I don't know. You brought this up before. Yeah. It was a good point. Um, the monkey raked his claws in the soft fur of her neck, and she growled a deep rumble of pleasure. Mm. Those, are, those are Lord Azrael and uh, Mrs. I'm, Coulter's demons. Kind I'm glad of going you pulled back. out that little detail and read it back to me because it's very exciting to hear. Yeah. Very exciting. I know. And they, they were doing their own, like, slap across the face and then start kissing. And uh, it was yeah. a lot of love-hate. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I think the demons, they, they fuck. <laughs> Just in general. I, I think that's yeah. what's going on in this universe. So, yeah. How come that's not a detail he's fleshing out? Do they have little demon babies of some sort? I don't know. Does it have to completely mirror if the humans get uh, pregnant? Who knows? But whatever the deal is, it was hot. That was a hot chapter. Yeah, I was definitely enjoying that. I was taking a walk listening to the audiobook at the time, and I had to take a little break, get down on one knee, and just go, whew! That is good stuff. I'm getting a little flustered again just talking about it. (laughs) Should we take five minutes and rectify this situation and come back to the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I do declare. (laughs) Ooh, Lord. Um, no, I know. And, uh, but besides that, what was the other thing? Oh, that for bears, he, he sets up a rule saying that bears can't be tricked physically when you're fighting them and that sort of thing. And I guess mentally, like you can't logic them out of something, but then bears. So he sets up that rule, but then bears can be tricked when they try to be human. That just seemed like. Not bad or lazy writing, but that just seemed awkward. Like, it was kind of awkwardly slapped in for me. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Lorik, or was it Lorik? Yeah, he, he wound up getting tricked and his stuff was stolen because he was drinking alcohol like a human. And then Lofer can get tricked where Lyra's saying, oh, I'm a demon, actually. Yeah. Since it's an animal, you have human demons. Uh, and then she, like, takes the the altimeter, whatever you call it. Because uh, yeah. he's like, oh, if you're, if you're a demon do you know anything about my life? And she goes, sure. Ask me a question, but then I got to go into the next room. (laughs) Which I mean, the the bear was pretty easily tricked. I know it's like they're tricked to the point of absurdity where you can just make up the laziest lie and they'll fall for it. So that was pretty, I don't really get the idea of like, if a bear is trying to be something that it's not, then suddenly they're weaker mental. I don't know. That was just weird to me. So anyway, we're, since we're on the topic of bears, Mm -hmm. um, I, I want to know how much. I, I'm guessing chapter 19, uh, called Captivity, mm-hmm. where Lyra is in Svalbard, the the bear settlement. That had to have been your favorite chapter in the book. Oh, I'm guessing. my lord! I, I enjoyed it quite a bit too. Just the uh, the imagery of the squalor that these bears are trying to. <laughs> and like, I know there's no actual university from what I could tell here, but they. It reminded me of the palace that uh, the king lives in. It reminds me of a frat house, kind of. They, they were trying to, like, there's a bunch of art on the walls, but it's also just, like, covered in filth. Yeah, it's, like, it's all, like, crooked on the wall, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the, the bears are still, they're still bears, so they're just pooping on the floor. And, <laughs> so just, and, and I think there are several uh, references where later was thinking about how bad it smelled in there. Yep, I think you're right uh, about that. So yeah, it was it was kind of an amusing picture that was painted of how these bears are living and why why the uh, at the beginning when they were talking about bear university and everyone laughed at the concept. I think when we met all these bears, it's kind of preposterous. Okay, fine. Also, it's my defense. Lyra mentioned so it turns out that uh, for Ragnarsson is trying to get a, a demon. That's kind of his motivation. Yeah, and that was mentioned earlier when they were talking about Svalbard and the university for bears, but Lyra at that time was unclear that they were talking about a bear and she was confused as to why somebody didn't have a demon and was trying to get a demon. Well, it was because he was a bear. Um, <laughs> okay. But, two so, points. One yeah, what point. Do you, 
there's plenty to talk about there. Yeah, multiple times in this book, uh, when like the theologian possibly being like magically influenced to do something against his will, and also now with uh, eh, what's his name, Loafer, he was magically influenced by Mrs. Coulter. But you, at least with a theologian, you're like, what? Why would she be magically influenced? She probably just convinced him. I'm like, we're reading a book about fantasy. <laughs> like, everything's magical in here. Why is it outside the realm of possibility that the theologian was magically influenced and now we find out that Lofer was actually magically influenced by Mrs. Coulter? Of everything we've learned about bears right now, it isn't absurd that I thought there was a possibility that there was a university for bears. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility just because it hasn't happened and maybe there is no university for bears. It's not absurd in this book that there might be one. Can we agree on that? I Yeah, I have to concede that point. Thank but you. having met the bears here, in Ch- so I have to say, I was getting a little nervous as we're in the middle of the book, like there's going to be a university <laughs> for bears. <laughs> but then once we actually, like I said, once we met these bears and was it was described the setting that the bears, it's, it's still pretty preposterous. It's not preposterous. They could have a university, which just has feces everywhere and stuff. (laughs) The books would be torn apart by their giant claws. So it'd be like Iowa state. Am I right? Oh, Oh, Ben, that is is on point. Ooh, we just lost some listeners right there, Ben. You're out of control. Take that cyclones. (laughs) You actually know that. Is this a joke you prepared for? You just know that much about sports. off the cuff. Wow, look at you. Uh, I, she asked the questions. I took down notes, which is not important, really, but, like, who did he kill first, his father, and what did Mrs. Coulter promise him? Christian baptism, which, for a bear, that's just a lot of really trying, just really wishing he was, uh, that he was human to the point yeah, that, of Christian baptism. Yeah, is that, does he think that's involved in getting a demon, or does he just, like, want to go to heaven or something? Like, what Maybe he just likes the pageantry of being human. It's kind of like if you go to... The note I I made about that, I was was wondering, like, do bears not necessarily believe in heaven, but they know that people do? (laughs) So he thinks that if he gets baptized, he's, like, found some loophole? (laughs) I I don't know. Like, that's... (laughs) It's it's hard to think like the bears. I'm not sure how to read these spells. In this book... They're gruff and sort of seem primitive, but then also are advanced enough to some degrees. It's hard to peg like what kind of. So what is the motivation for a bear wanting to put on airs and be as human as possible? And what do they gain from trying to be as human as possible? Is it just that they admire the culture and the technology and everything that humans have done? Like they don't really explain why Loafer would want to be so human where he's trying to pretend to be human and like his castle and also like wanting to be baptized so, yeah yeah like they haven't fleshed out bears as much as they fleshed out demons so we don't know why he's obsessed with being human so much and but why they did... oh go ahead well i was gonna say they did flesh out in the next chapter called mortal combat they did flesh out a crucial aspect of bear society which is fighting apparently yeah and i know all the ceremony around it and rules mm-hmm. and so this chapter ends with uh lyra is waiting for you're for, or uh, whatever, the good good bear to come and f- fight the king bear. Yeah, and she overpromises, which is hilarious. Uh, she basically says, "I like she has this whole thing about I can be your demon. I I uh, hate Lorik. Uh, if you kill him, I can be yours." And then she spends the whole time super worried that he's he's coming to get her. So she looks at the golden compass and she sees that he's coming. To your point again for the millionth time. She doesn't look to see if he's going to succeed in the battle and win. She just yeah. sort of like, oh, he's on his way. Good. Closes the compass and yeah. goes back. I like, hope he doesn't die. She could find he'll out be, if he dies or not. He'll be, in, he'll be here in four hours. That's I all know. I need to know. And I understand that, like, if she was on that thing all the time, every single thing that happens in her life, she'd be as annoying as uh, Bran from Game of Thrones, where he just sits there quietly oh. looking super intelligent. Gotcha. <laughs> Bran was the worst. He's just like so annoying. Like, why is he even in this story? He knows everything that's going to play out. Why wouldn't he, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just, um, he's just annoying to look at, I guess. And she could be that. In this. So I understand she can't know well, everything. So the And way- I also, didn't they earlier make reference? It seems like using the alethiometer weakens her a little bit. Does I think it, oh, it, I it was alluding that. to the fact it was, it was kind of making her tired, I think. Oh, I didn't catch that. 
Oh. And see where my note is on that, so I can find that. But I think that was the impression I got is that um, she also can't use it when it's too cold. When she was in the balloon, she couldn't use it because it was too cold. She was she would freeze to death apparently if she used it. But I thought there was something where it was implying strongly that it weakens her to use that thing. Anyway, I can't. Maybe I did make a note of that. Hmm. Um, I fully glossed over those parts, but um, yeah, she could use it more often. But yeah, also, that, that's been our main criticism of the book thus far, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, Just actually, the logic on this thing. And again, like you try to like think inside the mind of the uh, author. Either it's all planned out for all three books, and the stuff we're nitpicking is like explained and makes sense later. Like the bears, why do the bears have the motivation to be human? Yeah. Why doesn't she use the alethymeter more often? Uh, maybe it's explained in the next few books like this. Or is the author kind of making it up as they go along for a while? Because, like, you know that the bear, uh, Lorik or whatever, got drunk and got his armor stolen. But then when they're doing this fight, he's like, you can't fool me. You can't trick me. I'm a bear where you don't get fooled or tricked or whatever. But yeah. then he's like, do you think the author stopped and like, ah, crap, but he did get his armor stolen. Well, I don't want to rewrite that. <laughs> so it's kind of so it's sort of like the thing where it's like yeah bears really want to be human and then it's like well why and then he'll probably just be like no one knows just like the demons <laughs> <laughs> everyone asks that but nobody has an everyone asks and that's a mystery of life uh but then yes. also doesn't roger i forget what chapter it is chapter 22 maybe where he's taking a bath and she's talking to him uh or Lyra's talking to him, and then she goes, do you want to look at the alethiometer and find out what's going to happen next? And he goes, no. And has this big speech about why he doesn't want to know what's coming up next. But if he did, he probably wouldn't end up dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to the uh, the bear fight. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like a so, graphic bear fight. Yeah, Lyra convinces uh, the bad king bear to fight the good bear, and that fight happens, and, you know, Shockingly, the good bear wins. Yeah, she squeezes in and tells him real quick, here's what I did, sorry. And then, yeah. like, he goes, it's fine, I can't wait to kill him. And then she's like, then she, it was kind of getting weird. Uh, she was, like, talking about how much she loves him and, like, yeah. oh, sweet Laura, who I love so much. And then his response would be like, uh-huh, all right. And that, well, that cracked he, me up. I, I wanted to mention that uh, he gave her a new name. <laughs> yeah, was it like earworm, silver tongue, something? It's yeah. So Lyra's last name is Bellacor or something, isn't it? Yeah, Bellacor. I think. <laughs> but yeah, he said since she had managed to trick a bear, he uh, said you're actually Lyra silver tongue. <laughs> uh, what do they do? They smooch. I mean, the way she talks to him, it starts to make me uncomfortable. But Glenn, I got to ask you if you if we were going to change your name from Nuzzles to something along the lines of Silver Tongue, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think yours would be? Oh man, you put me on the spot. Uh, Talbot. What? Talbot. Talbot. <laughs> I'm not going for your. Uh, you're not going to hand me. What would I don't have uh, the traits of a silver tongue. I don't uh, know what kind. Of, what would? What name would you give me as a last name? Well, based on this exchange, I could, like slow wit. <laughs> It'd be Glenn Dumbmouth. <laughs> <laughs> so they have their big fight. And, okay, I want to ask you about the fight, too, um, compared to your other extensive YA experience, Harry Potter and whatnot. Yeah. Um, that fight seemed kind of brutal, and it ended with the good bear basically, like, literally slapping the face clean off of the bad bear and killing him. <laughs> <laughs> like, his jaw fell off, didn't it? Like, yeah, the he ripped his jaw off. Which and he amazing. died. And then he rips his heart out and eats it. That yeah, was, I was just like mother of pearl. <laughs> that was amazing to me. So uh, does that sort of thing? Does, no, it doesn't. Uh, okay. In Harry Potter, there's a lot of really lame fancy boy wand fights. Uh, even when there's like armies of these like death eaters that they call themselves and they're flying around in their broom, shooting at each other with uh, with their wands. It's just like you're, you're reading it and you're thinking all of them could be because they got to say their spell out loud as they're shooting like every bullet you have to you know not bullet but every like you know with their wand you have to say the spell out loud and keep doing it so it's like the slowest most cumbersome way of fighting each other and so then your first thought is just like if somebody just had like a gun they'd all be dead like it's just useless this you don't have any of those complaints rips his jaw off eats his heart 
<laughs> it was just amazing. There was like nothing and, to complain about with that. And I, I gotta say, with the whole the bear fight and the previous chapter of just the bear prison and the the squalid bear palace, mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this looks on HBO. Like how do they <laughs> present this? I want to see a bear's face get slapped off, and I want to see this like shit covered castle with like fine yeah, artwork. Oh no, and there's like statues too, isn't there? Like statues of man all standing like around yeah, the castle. Gold leaf everywhere. Like he had uh, the bad bear king had his like claws like covered in gold leaf and stuff. Oh, and he I missed like, that detail. That's yeah. I mean, he's like uh, the rap star or something. He's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he wins, and so he fulfills the promise of like tearing down this uh, this, this uh, ridiculous marble palace mm-hmm. but they still have a bunch of like prisoners inside like people in there and like Lyra has to like talk like wait wait let, can we get the people out before they get crushed in the rubble <laughs> <laughs> the bears are just like dismantling this place oh well, Lorik isn't the smartest guy uh, I, well they're bears yeah fine they could still anyway, have I a got, university I, I grew quite fond of the bears in those two chapters and yeah I know that's true I actually would have liked to learn more about the bears versus uh, the Egyptians, they just seem quaint and cute and everything. Like, I would have, they, they would have spent more time with the bears. I think I would have liked that. Yeah. So, hopefully, the rest of the trilogy, there, there's a lot more bear action. Well, if they're coming into our dimension in the next book, as you cheated and found out, uh, you know, bears are just going to be what you think. If you're going to spend the whole next book just making fun of the fact that they don't have their own ability to craft armor. Well, how much, how many uh, things are going to be going across this bridge, though? Is there going to be bears going into our world? I don't though. Not the way the book ended. It was just her and her demon. Also, what happens when her and her demon go into our world? Does the demon suffer at all? Because they shouldn't. That thing shouldn't exist. It's supernatural. It's not a physical thing that she is. Or does it just have to act like a pet? I mean, does she just have to like, hey, you're make sure you remain a dog now, and I'm going to keep you on a leash. You know, what would be interesting is if, uh, since they can change shape so much, uh, at least in their, you know, adolescent stage, yeah. uh, does all of that magic get stripped down and it's this disgusting worm looking thing she's got to keep in her pocket all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps like defecating in her hands and stuff. <laughs> That'd be a fun uh, little twist. Um, and then, uh, so at the very end when, uh, Lord Azriel did the, uh, procedure on Roger to yeah. uh, separate him from the demon. Before that, I was thinking it was pretty clear Lara and Roger were love interests. It seemed like it was saying out for is that hmm. was I screen that it seemed like they were going to end up together. I thought somehow, yeah. uh, but is there a version of Roger like alive in this other dimension that they're going to, is that going to be part of it? Do you think? Ooh, like end game. <laughs> <laughs> I have, not seen that, but I'll take uh, your word. I think uh, I think the thing with the end game is that uh, all the people that died in the last movie, there's like a version of them in a different dimension. Oh, that's, that's how they basically kind of keep going. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That would be kind of interesting. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it, will she? Because I didn't catch that they were in love. I know she liked him because they were the same age and they kind of grew up together. But you... yeah, it felt like they were developing feelings for each other. And well, because there was that there was that scene where. Um, they were in Lord Asriel's house mm-hmm. and uh, they were bathing, weren't they? And Oh, yeah. They did well, it, well, but they, they did it separately. And, and she had yeah. said in the past they had bathed together and thought nothing oh. of it. But now it seemed different somehow. So I thought that was part of what they were alluding to is that perhaps she was developing feelings for him. Well, she's maturing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, things suddenly get there's feelings that, that confuse and frighten her. Um, yeah, I, I guess you're probably right. I don't know. I didn't see it as sort of like, uh, they were going to kiss at any point or have like a little fuss and fight tussle. Um, like, uh, well, I, I guess I kind of made a note that I wanted to ask you, is that in, uh, Harry Potter and whatnot, are there, <laughs> uh, love stories? Is there, is there romance plot lines? Was that, or... yeah, they're pretty, pretty non-exciting, which maybe that's the way it is for children at the age of like 12 or whatever. But uh, yeah, there is. Harry Potter gets a crush on someone or he wants to ask someone to a dance. Uh, Nothing exciting. There's definitely, even with the adults, there's no fussing and fighting. Uh, Hagrid falls in love with a a giant Russian woman who's also as tall as him. And, uh, but they don't really flesh that out. They kind of wink at each other. And I guess you're just supposed to understand that they're uh, probably going to go at it in his hut later. 
well, what do you think is is it going to be more? And uh, not not going to be you know X rated or anything, but do you think it's going to be more explicit in this book? Given uh, you know we've said it's it's more violent, and uh, the demons were kind of starting to make out in this thing. You think there's going to be any? Yeah, uh, you know it might be weird, uh, kind of like Game of Thrones. Um, ah, crap! Something my brain's making a poop. But uh, what's her name? The youngest daughter in Game of Thrones that winds up killing the Night King. Arya Stark. Arya, there you go. Uh, she. She has her own little sex scene, and it was really disturbing to watch. Luckily, like, luckily they didn't show any nudity or anything explicit, but there was like the her removing her clothes. But you've watched this person grow up, and it was just kind of like bothering me, maybe because I have daughters. But uh, I think if they did have some sort of makeout scene, if Roger's alive in the next dimension, uh, I would be really surprised. That just seems kind of weird. Who okay. knows? What do I know about this author? Nothing. Maybe this oh. author's a little bit of a weirdo. He did have the one guy try to get her drunk when she was out in the city. Yeah. So maybe That's this guy's a little bit of a pervert. Yeah. Could be a little bit of a pervert. We'll never know. Uh, well, we might know in the next two books. <laughs> That's true. Lyra uh, is called to go talk to her daddy. And uh, so. Well, she, yeah, she, she gets there. And this is, the, this is the part I was expecting to happen. Besides the witch, I was like, okay, here's where the whole, this is where all the answers kind of get rifled off before the end of the book. And it was kind of what happened. So, yeah, so the, the bear fight happens. The good bear is now the king of Svalbard. Um, so Lyra continues her jersey, her, her journey. Jerseys. Yep. Yep. <laughs> her journey to Lord Azriel's place where he's, you know, being held captive. But again, it's this nice big house that he has and he's... Yeah got this his he has like a butler and he's running scientific experiments <laughs> and uh but weirdly the butler there. was the one that says sorry i'm jumping ahead but weirdly the butler was the one that woke her up and said him Azriel's, he's snapped yeah. like a twig and he's he's took off with roger like so the yeah. butler isn't really like his friend or his buddy well yeah so that's the thing she she gets to the door uh knocks on the door and then the butler go gets Lord Asriel and he looks um, disturbed that Lyra is there. Yeah, the first thing he says is no, really. Loud. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> I, I didn't ask for you or something like that. Yeah. But then he sees Roger and his mood seems to improve greatly. Which I didn't uh, catch on to initially, but yeah. It, yeah, so then just... they uh, he gets them cleaned up and, you know, they puts him to bed and it turns out that he, in the middle of the night as you just alluded to the butler uh wakes up later and says that lord asriel is like left with roger and it, so it turns out that like we said before there's this great burst of energy that's released mm -hmm. when a child is separated from his demon and lord asriel knows this and needed a child to do this on and there's a thing that it's a little bit mysterious, but it's just Lord Asriel just gets whatever he asks for. And is this magic again? Is that what he just magically gets? But apparently he had asked for a child to conduct this experiment with her. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And so he saw Lyra and was like, no, like, oh, you, why have you cursed me, gods, by playing this cruel <laughs> trick on me? Yeah. But then he's like, oh, wait, he actually, there's another kid here. I can just use that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, like, oh, oh sweet. I don't have to sacrifice my own daughter. I can use uh, her friend. Yep, exactly. Just, uh, like, oh, sweet. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, great. Ezreal <laughs> so, grabs Roger. They go up to the, the mountaintop, and then Lyra and uh, the bear, the good bear, chase after him. And, yep. And I think we kind of talked about that. But this is, this kind of I got to go back he... to the butler for a second, because what kind of working environment was he in? Kind of like me with my coworkers, where I'm just disgruntled and pissed off. And every time they do something, I'm like, oh, that's it. I can't. I'm not dealing with this anymore. What kind of working environment was this butler in where he literally says, oh, he took a kid. That's the last straw. Then goes and like narcs on him, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Like he must have well... been a very bitter man forced to be there kind of thing. It seems like Lord Asriel's mission isn't exactly a popular notion. He, like, nobody seems to be on board with this scheme of his to, right. like, use dust or whatever. Kill and, kids or, to go to another kill, world. <laughs> go to a, a different dimension and, like, eliminate <laughs> dust. It, it seems to be a. I love that every time he wants to travel, he's just got like a cage full of kids. He's like, <laughs> okay, where do I got to go? So I'm going to go to this dimension. That's going to be two kids. I got about four kids left in the cage. <laughs> um, but yeah so she talks to him and confronts him saying you're a huge jerk and he basically just calls her an insolent child Yeah. so there's but nothing redeeming about this guy 
But then he like explains everything. Which is kind of yeah. unrealistic, yeah. It says like, oh, you know nothing, Grotery Child, and then just like goes into detail and everything that he's playing. I know, it's like a Bond movie. Yeah, it, well, yeah, it's a little out of place. I, I made a note of that. I'm like, yeah, I didn't and like all that. Felt. The alethia meter is an important thing that I, I may have gotten this screwed up, but it sounds, at first I thought a lot of people have alethia meters, like theologians and stuff, like they, you know, these sort of wise people are referring to it. I had that impression in the beginning, but then as the book goes on, it sounds like no one has one and she's like the only one with one or it's very few. Yeah. There's, oh, yeah. So it's like this really important thing and she shoves it at her dad and says that Mr. Coulter is coming um, and that he says, I don't want it. But you think if you well, want to cripple this child and keep this child from running around getting in your way, you would just take it from her and throw it away or something. Yeah, you'd think so, but adults can't use it apparently, and so he's short-sighted and just, well, I can't use it. (laughs) I guess. Uh, Uh, She asked about the dust, the dust layer, so we we talked about that, where it's supposed to be the, uh, that's supposed to be original sin. Um, Then he talks... uh, I just want to speculate on the the next book. So she's going into this other dimension, and I said maybe there's a version of Roger there. Is she going to run into another version of herself in the next book? Are there going to be two Lyras in the next book? And then do they both explode because they shouldn't be near each other? I don't know. I know. There's a a lot to be unpacked here that uh, the next book may wind up really bugging me if it's like, sort of like whenever anyone writes about time travel, if they don't think too far ahead about it. Uh, that it just gets really annoying because then I start thinking about like, well, that's a paradox. Like he just had sex with his own grandma <laughs> kind of thing. So, um, yeah, that, that's the thing. Also, speaking of looking forward, um, I thought there's maybe a little bit of foreshadowing. So when Lyra is riding on the bear chasing after Lord Azriel, they're like going up this mountain and there's like a bridge made out of snow over like a, uh, crevasse or whatever i guess and the bear can't go over it because he can't the snow can't support his weight but lyra goes over it and then the bridge collapses behind her so there's like no way back oh right and is this same thing going to happen with the bridge that Azriel made out of dust to the other dimension is that like foreshadowing like this bridge is also going to disintegrate and they're stuck in this other dimension or something i wonder yeah, it's a possibility. I mean, well, there's three books, so I imagine they're traveling yeah. through three different dimensions. She's probably just it's going to be a a series of chase books where she's chasing after Lord Azrael, and then you get to the third one, whatever that's going to be, a dimension where everyone has big thumbs or something. Um, yeah, I yeah. don't know. One thing that weirded me out is when they were talking about separating a demon, they made a reference to Mrs. Coulter being to Africa and seeing zombies. Yeah. Uh, but so then that, that made me think, so is the idea of separating someone from their demons supposed to make them sort of like a zombie, but they just die. So I don't even understand the zombie reference. I'm like, why did they even mention that? That doesn't tie into this whole story. Well, I think that, I think the zombies were people that have been separated from their demons. And this is what that was supposed to be. Yeah. I think what I read was the people in Africa that were doing that. They just perfected the, the method and were able to separate the demons while keeping the people alive. But they, you know, weren't as alive as they used to be. They were, they were zombies. Got it. I probably just missed that. that that's part. how I interpreted it. Uh, so, yeah, then basically that's it. They go to the bridge. I mean, there's some other stuff. There's the, the attack that happens um, when they're following him on his sledge tracks uh, by enemy witches. Oh, yeah. Then, yeah. like, the zeppelin comes, but the bears fight, and they have a fire thrower that burns down the zeppelin, and yeah, pretty easily. Yeah, it wasn't much of... I was kind of expecting there to be more there, but uh, that just kind of got swifted right through. Um, Which was fine. I didn't really need more of that. I didn't even make any... I didn't get it. I kind of, I kind of forgot about that. Whole... I'm like, oh, there's enemy witches? Oh, weird. But it was really short. The entire thing was short. But yeah. then it's like the bear, her and the bear take off. Uh, and so the battle's still going. They're like, oh, well, let's get out of here. <laughs> like they took off. And so, yeah. Um, but then, yeah, the her and Pan, they go on and then they see the... Uh, the Mrs. Coulter and uh, Azriel or whatever uh, having their passionate love argument with the yeah. kissing and the sexy demons. And then uh, she says, I'm staying here. He crosses over the bridge. Then she and Pan at the last minute decide, like, well, if they say dust is wrong, dust must be good. And then they cross over the bridge and that was it. Yep. Fantastic. 
Ben, what are your thoughts about the future book? I am not trying to be negative about it, but uh, I have a feeling that <laughs> as this goes on, I am going to be picking out more problems and being a little I think, fussed. I think so. Yeah, I think so too, probably. <laughs> um, and, well, and just how I think trilogies are going to be set up with the story arc. The second book is going to probably be, I don't think it's going to be tedious compared to the first and the third, probably. Oh, you think so? So it's going to be a lot I, of... I, I just, just trying to speculate what the general arc is going to be. I think the first book set everything up. It's introducing us to this world, getting us immersed in it. The third book is going to be the exciting conclusion. Everything's going to be resolved. The second book is going to be... I was just know. thinking, if the second book is taking place in our universe, how unexciting is it when there's no magic? So is it just them, like, getting arrested? Or... <laughs> <laughs> Just like dealing with bureaucracy. Yeah, exactly. She's got to get a job because she needs to save up money for a car to go chase after Lord Hazriel. The only way she can get back to her home dimension is if she gets the proper papers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that would involve like, it turns out that the, the, the next bridge is in the Arctic. And she's like, ah, crap, I got to get like a plane ticket and I got to find a boat that'll take me there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's like that's a, that's the reason why it's short because the author's just bored with that part of it and realized like this was a mistake. Next book's going to be another magical dimension. <laughs> but yeah, the the third book is quite a bit longer than the other two. Are you going to cheat and find out what the third book's about? No. Well, you cheated on the next one. What do you mean? Just where it's set? You mean? Yeah. Oh, I already know that. Well, then tell me. Well, the third. So the first book was in this dimension like ours but not the same the second book is in our dimension the the real world that we know yep. um the third book goes between the two and then also i think there's this other another third dimension that we have not been introduced to yet i can't wait to see what that is it probably is like a world that's ruled by intelligent like pterodactyls what if it's a bear ruled world i hope it is <laughs> I know, that would be interesting that would explain why the sort of dumbed down silly versions from the first book are so enamored with the power of humans because there's another dimension where bears are like wearing nice suits <laughs> <laughs> all their their skill in crafting is used for tailoring and like fine leather shoes <laughs> and of course they go to college and of course they go to college man what, how would you sum up this book as a whole, do you think? Or is that going to be difficult for you? Because you hate it when I ask you that stuff. Well, it's, like I said before, I always struggled this. Like, what was the theme or what, what should be the main takeaway here? But, uh, oh, yeah, it's a coming-of-age thing. And it's, like we said, it's dealing with <laughs> original sin somehow. <laughs> uh, so maybe the, the phrase to sum it all up for you is uh, endless summer. <laughs> yeah. I, I uh, overall though I I think I enjoyed the book. Did you like it overall? Uh, overall, yes. I think okay. the only problem I would have with it is that, like other books that are trilogies or more, um, usually each book kind of stands on its own. But this book has a lot of sort of. It feels like there's a lot of setting up, so oh, yeah. it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like there's been wrapped up with a big bow on that book. And then like, can't oh. wait to read the next one. So it's just sort of like, there's a lot of loose ends kind of out there. I feel like anyways. Um, no, I agree. I think what was wrapped up in this one was kind of the, the smaller mystery of what's going on with the gobblers and why are they yeah. kidnapped? And that was resolved, but there's this bigger question of dust and these parallel worlds and stuff. And that's right. And what do you gain from at least story-wise, what do you gain from going to the parallel world? Cause it's sort of, insinuates there's a bigger thing that has to be dealt with, but we don't even know what that is yet. So like that's that part of the mystery yeah. of like what, what in the next two books is going on that needs to be resolved. Is not really given to us yet? And so that's part of like the loose ends sort of thing. I was like, Oh, well I've just seen like a little mini adventure, but I would like to know what the bigger adventure is all about. And so I guess that's kind of my only complaint is that pretty much, but otherwise everything else is fine. Well, yeah, I and I, they, yeah. I think they touched on that finally in the last chapter or two of this book, but yeah, not in much detail. Well, yeah, I kind of get the impression that dust is going to be 
explained because is it good or bad is it really yeah. original sin or were they just saying that and you know is it worth defending and fighting for which is what Lyra is all about so it's just kind of thrown like it's almost thrown in the last paragraph of the last chapter like we're going to defend dust and then they cross over so it doesn't really kind of flesh that part out for me but and, and so the, the first book is, is kind of in this I don't know is it almost like steampunk world do you think of yeah, there's zeppelins and there's you know they have yeah. internal combustion engines but it's kind of old timey too is the second book is the world that they're going into our world is it like our world in the late 20th century or whatever is yeah, that that'd be gonna be is lord Azrael gonna be a little bit out of place uh <laughs> in 1990s there? america yeah like, is that what's gonna happen <laughs> yeah exactly i love that it's like not, like late 90s early 2000s when like sort of the edgelord goth thing was a big deal but he fits in perfectly but he hates all of them <laughs> and so it's like i need a place to stay like we well, can stay at my dad's house even though he's a jerk and i can't stand him and it's like a kid with mascara and everything and he's just like fine <laughs> like i hate this i hate these people but they're the only and ones that'll accept me losing sight of his mission because he's engrossed in the uh, sitcom friends <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly if you're just gonna cross over to another dimension you don't know anything about it, so how are you, where are you going to sleep? What's your money? If if he brings just solid chunks of gold with him as currency, does he know what a pawn shop is? How does he know he's not going to get ripped off? I, well, I hope that's what the second book deals with, is just those mundane details of... <laughs> him sitting in front of a TV at like an edgelord's <laughs> house, and then they're like... We buy gold. Send in your necklaces. Send in whatever else. And he's like, well, I got these giant bars I brought with me. So he like mails them in. Then he has to wait three weeks. <laughs> so anyway, Ben, we're going to take a break between book one and book two of his dark materials to sink our teeth into something a little off. A nice short little book by Sean Penn. Do you want to talk about it a little bit? I, I would love to. Thank you for <laughs> giving me this opportunity. Um, <laughs> so you and I had, had discussed this notion of taking a break between the books of the trilogy and kind of trying to figure out what happened what to your we voice there for do. a second. Did you just go through puberty? Know. That was wild. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I, I don't know what that was. but <laughs> Well, I'm glad I got a chance to point it out. Go ahead. It, it sounded and felt like puberty. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we, we uh, were going back and forth a little bit trying to decide what might be good to do as a, a break from this trilogy. And uh, I think we talked about trying to find something that would be kind of well-known but also terrible so we could have lively <laughs> conversations about it. We kind of talked about like something like well, the Da Vinci Code or whatever, but yeah. you've, of course, already read that or something, so we can't do that. And threw it uh, away. Yeah. Just recently. Well, uh, <laughs> So after that, I, I went to the uh, old reliable Wikipedia and just found an article on, I think it was just like poorly reviewed popular books or something, <laughs> just the listicle on Wikipedia. And I came across a couple that were promising. And I think the one that we settled on. Um, <laughs> I love this. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> the title of it is Bob Honey, Who Just Do Stuff, which <laughs> solid title to begin with. No uh, this is it. A, a 2018 novel uh, written by the insufferable Sean Penn. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it luckily is a short one. I think it's uh, about 180 pages or something. So I we should be able to. I that too. That's awesome. It's basically a pamphlet. <laughs> yeah. So we should be able to get through this quickly. Um, and the, the Wikipedia article um, said it's described by cracked.com. <laughs> First of all, who's getting book reviews from Crack.com? It's pretty bad when Crack.com has anything to say about your stuff. And, yeah, and what Crack.com had to say about Bob Honey, who just do stuff. Which, sorry, it, I'm interrupting again. That title, I had to reread it like three or four times because I was going cross-eyed, trying to structurally make sense of what that title is. And I actually gave up. I don't know what the title means. The, the text of the title is headache-inducing. I, I agree. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, go ahead. So anyway, Cracked.com describes <laughs> Bob Honey, who just do stuff, as, quote, the worst novel in human history, unquote. <laughs> um, and somebody by the name of Mark Hill observed that, quote, Penn writes like he's looked up every single word in his thesaurus except dictionary. <laughs> the Wikipedia article goes on to mention that 
the novel was also criticized for racist and misogynistic content. <laughs> so this should be a real treat of a read. I think it'll give us plenty of uh, robust talking points. Oh my I'm forward to picking up a copy. This is like and, the literary version of just getting drunk one night. <laughs> like we've read a, a nice normal book. Now this is the crap book that's like just we're just doing it and it's dirty and you're gonna feel gross afterwards. Yeah, or like we just went to like uh, what what movie won Best Picture recently? What's what's like a good movie? Recently, I have no idea. But, well, it would be like if you and I went to see like a, a, a critically acclaimed movie everyone loves, and then like, well, we just got done watching that. Uh, you want to go back to my place and watch a Human Centipede now or something? <laughs> like? yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a perfect analogy. <laughs> I love that. Well, on that note. That's the end of this episode. Ben, do you got anything you want to say? I'm already plugging my ears. I uh, I just wanted to thank you for the opportunity to talk about the Golden Compass with you. <laughs> I not wait to discuss Bob Honey, who just do stuff <laughs> in the next episode. Book boys! Oh, that's what I was waiting for you to do. <laughs> you sprung it on me. <laughs>